Welcome to Comic Talkers, where comics is always the top of our discussion. My name is Brandon. And I'm William. And today we are continuing on with Justice League Month. But today it's a little bit more exciting because this is something personal to Will and I. Um, Will, why don't you introduce what we are doing today? So today we are going over a top 10 list that has to do with the Justice League animated series that we all know and love, that we all grew up with. And we are going to be picking our top 10 episodes from the series that we enjoyed the most so this was a collaboration list between will and i um that was pretty much pretty much has some of the same episodes when it came down to most important episodes you and i pretty much came down to the same picks i think there was only a couple different but we compromised um will why don't you share your fondest memories with this with this series what did you love about it what attracted you to it maybe if you could try to even remember your first episode and what it was like uh well as i've stated multiple times on this podcast i enjoy animated animated stuff um i'm a big cartoon guy big anime guy and what pulled me to this show was everybody knew heroes and everybody knew the justice league they were some of the most they had some of the most uh, iconic heroes that we all knew and love. And for me, this was the way that I enjoyed their interpretation, seeing them on screen. And I think what I enjoyed most was you got to see a lot of dark, intense stuff that they obviously didn't do on the movies. Um, the movies usually tended to have more of a lighthearted kind of goofy spin because it was done back in like the 80s, 90s, uh, before and after, so on and so forth. With the animated series, you did have some humor stuff, and you could tell that they were targeting more towards kids, but they did show more of a darker tone. Um, it gave me the feeling that they trusted children who were watching the show to be able to handle the scenarios that they were giving and it made it a unique way for adults to get engaged as well um i think one of the episodes i remember the most i think it was a fairly early episode but it was an episode that showed the relationship between uh uh Green Lantern, uh, John Stewart's Green Lantern, and uh, Hot Girl. Yeah, so that was. I really enjoyed. That. Yeah, that was season two. I can't remember the exact episode, but I know exactly what you're talking about. That it is a great episode to see, um, and I agree. Well, I don't even think I have to adjust because I think DC. I'll say this right now. Will and I have talked about this before. DC has done a ten time or. Not A. They have done 10 times better in animation than they ever have in live action. Um, the only movies we can really credit for is like the early Superman movies, the first two, not the whole set. The early Batman movies, except George Clooney. And I know, Will, you probably will hate me for saying this, but Batman Forever is not really. Special place in my heart, bro. Yeah. But, and the Dark Knight trilogy. Not a lot of movies are favored a lot anymore, other than recent. Um, but animation is just fits DC more. It fits them. It, it really does. I think you can tell a lot more stories and that's why justice league was so popular. 
you, you, you mind you, it's off the tales of Batman, Superman's animated series, even Batman Beyond series. And it just grew popular and it ended with this. It was so amazing to see this really grow into something beautiful. Um, my first episode actually is the first episode I ever watched was Etrigan's appearance in the Justice League, and that was in season one. Um, and then I watched War World. I I went really weird with the episodes. I watched them on Cartoon Network ever since then. And I own all the collection of it. It is something personal to me. I love this series so much. Um, so I was so happy when we said, let's do this. And I'm like, absolutely. Um, so again, like we said, this is a list collaborate between Will and I and what we feel the top 10 most important episodes. So these are not just our personal lists. Um, episodes that will be included are both from the original Justice League series, which was from 2001 to 2004. And it also includes Justice League Unlimited, which is from 2004 to 2006. Um, before we get to our number one, we will get some honorable mentions on what we feel are praiseworthy of the being somewhere near that list, but it's not just there. And we'll go from there. So we're going to start off with number 10 and I'll introduce it um, because this was actually a weird episode, but it makes sense. And this is episodes 12 and 13 in the first season of Justice League Unlimited. It is the once and future thing, part one and two. Um, synopsis for both episodes for episode or for part one, according to IMDb, while pursuing a time traveling thief, Batman, Wonder Woman and Green Lantern team up with a collection of DC universe, Western heroes to battle the villain controlling him. And part two is the time traveling league team goes to the future to team up with the times league to battle Kronos who rules. Um, this episode, not so much for the first part. I love the team. I don't think we're going to talk more about the first part of it. Then we're going to talk more about the second. Um, first part, the main ones you go, you deal with a lot of the old Western heroes, um, including Jonah Hex was one of the big ones. That was one of the ones I liked. But this duo episodes was more known for what happened in episode two. Now, Will, do you what do you remember about episode two the most? What I remember about episode two, it this was a kind of a surreal experience when I got to see this episode because this is the episode heroes and see them like I gotta see a lot of the newer generation of heroes like uh, Batman from the new Batman Beyond. We got to see Static Shock as an older uh, as an older man. Um, there's so many characters that got shown in this one that weren't part of the original Justice League and you, then you see them interacting with them and it was just so surreal because we grew up with all of these characters and now finally being able to see them in one place it just made it very unique um, I remember one of the best parts of this episode again, you get to see Static and and I know that's not the big part that comes out of this episode because the biggest part of it is we find out John Stewart has a son. And who he has a son with is the most interesting thing because it's Shaira Hall. Now, mind you, during this time is when he was dating Vixen. So it's interesting to see, but remember Batman, he was like, I gotta tell her. And Batman's like, you can't mess with the time stream. If you tell her, it will mess with the time stream at all costs. So it's a whole thing of, and what's 
best thing about it is it's only Green Lantern and Batman that remember all this. Even though Wonder Woman went with them on the first mission, she does not remember anything. It's only those two. So it's interesting to see some of this really come to play. And Batman Beyond, you know I'm a sucker for that. One of my favorite parts of that episode, Will, you'll probably remember it too, is when Batman meets old Bruce Wayne. Now, that was probably one of my favorite scenes because Terry McGinnis goes up to him, Batman, Bruce Wayne, Bruce Wayne, Batman. Do we have any questions? Shh, not now. You know, it's like just the perfect timing for him to get both of them to say it to him. It's just amazing. And it brings in heroes again that you don't know, like Jonah Hex is forgotten about, so on and so forth. But you bring somebody like Static in that, yeah, he has his own series at this point, but you don't really get to see a mix. And that's what's amazing. I like Static in this. I think he worked perfectly kind of as a league member. I, I like that. Um, I can't remember. One thing I liked about what you just brought up with Batman meeting old man Bruce Wayne, uh, I actually got to watch an interview of uh, the late Kevin Conroy talking about that and them discussing that episode. And he says that that was very unique experience for him because it was him doing both of the voices but with how he was doing it there were subtle differences in there for him where he felt like he wasn't playing the same role at the same time as playing the same role and he he actually said himself that he enjoyed doing that more than any other interpretation of batman being able to do both at the same time you know, what was it? And I did find out hit the son's name of Green Lantern Hawker on that's um Nighthawk is his superhero name. Um which by the way, he has probably one of the coolest costume designs. He looks like a metal hawk just wandering around. I, I love it. It's just again, you get to see heroes you don't see from past and future. And they bring him into this episode. This is what concludes the first season of Justice League Unlimited, and it went out with a bank. It really did. Um, now, mind you, this is not the only finale that we have on our list, but a good way to start it off. Um, number nine um, goes to an episode that I enjoy because I'm a big, also another big person in with the um, Legion of Doom. Um, and it's Injustice for All. Um, this is part one, and this is also another part one, part two situation, which is episodes 18 and 19 of the first season of the original Justice League animated series. Um, the summaries um, for episode 18 is arrested and terminally ill. Lex Luthor breaks out of prison to assemble a team of supervillains to help him destroy the Justice League. Episode 19 is his illness is treated by Ultra Humanite, which is the big gorilla that's with them, um, other than Grodd. Um, Luthor pressures his cadre of supervillains to combat the League. While captured, Batman exploits the greed of the group to his advantage. Um, Willie, what do you remember about these episodes? I don't remember too much about them. Um, what I do remember was just seeing the Legion of Doom all together like this. Because we've seen them here and there in other series and a lot in the original Justice League series, like back from the like old cartoon days. We got to see a lot of Legion of Doom back then, but with these series, we didn't get to see a lot of stuff being done with them. 
it was more like solo villain facing off against solo villains. The biggest hoorah for the Legion of Doom. So I really enjoyed watching this one because you got to see a lot of that. Uh, a lot of the different personalities of the characters interacting with each other. And it was a pretty intense scene. Like, for the first time ever, this is where I kind of felt sympathy towards Lex. Because Lex has done everything he can to take out Superman every which way. And now he's come back to haunt him. And what I love about it, too, is that Lex isn't, you know, you, you could tell this is really messing him up. It really is. And what was it? But even then, one of my favorite scenes is still Superman there when he gets the diagnosis that he, he is terminally ill. And it's a whole thing that he kind of like shuns Superman off. And even though Superman shows him sympathy, like he understands him, you know, but it's the whole thing if he doesn't care. But you get such voice talents, including return of Mark Hamill's Joker in this episode. He comes probably the wackiest one of them all, but it's the one that pretty much tells Luther, look, you're not paying attention to what's happening around you. I know Batman more than anybody else. <laughs> and it's so interesting to see him be that person. Um, I still will never forget the kiss between Cheetah and Batman. That was kind of weird, but you turn and they think she's the turncoat of the team. Um, but you find out it's Humanite who's actually or Ultra Humanite who's the turncoat and was the one giving the information to the Justice League. And it's so interesting to see that. Uh, this was just a fun episode. You get to see the League go against the Legion of Doom or Injustice King, whatever you want to call them. And it's so amazing to see it. It, it just really is. And I think it's really great storytelling, great voice talent throughout the whole episode. Because um, you get Clancy Brown, which a lot of people don't realize. Mr. Krabs himself from SpongeBob is Lex. And he's always been Lex in the animated series. Um, what was it? That's one of my favorite characters. Of course, Mark Hamill, like we said. Kevin Conroy is a big part of this one. list can go on and on on the main characters from this. And it's just amazing to see it. Um, so, yeah. Our number... Number nine is going to be Injustice for All. Now, number eight. Number eight goes to an episode that's called the Man for the Man Who Had Everything. Um, this is the second episode of the first season of Justice League Unlimited. And according to INDB, the summary is Batman and Wonder Woman find Superman immobilized in the Fortress of Solitude by a plant sent by the World Bee Conqueror Mongol. Uh, mind you, the Mongols first introduced in the show in War World and then introduced here um, or shown here. Willie, what do you remember about this episode specifically before I hit you up with some trivia? Um, to be honest, I didn't really remember a lot about it. And it's kind of why it wasn't on my list. Um, so what was it? So for anybody who doesn't know what this episode is, um, they pretty much Batman and Wonder Woman go and they're going to surprise Superman at the Fortress of Solitude with some presents. Well, come to find out, he's standing in the middle of the room with a plant stuck to his chest um, that we find out Mongol is responsible for. Now, while with this plant on him, he's like kind of like in a comatose state where he's remembering things. or want, Pretty much he imagines a life that he wanted. And that's marrying, having a kid on Krypton. Um, I guess it's a good way to sum it up. But they finally find a way to get it off him and real and pretty much like he has to tell this make kind of I wouldn't say make-believe family, but 
in some ways that this isn't real. And it's a very, very, very emotional episode. Um, not one you would think out of all the other ones we have on our list here. Um, but it hits you so hard. Willie will get a kick out of this, though. I do know this part. Alan Moore. Now, he has been a subject on our podcast on a couple occasions. Fact being that he's most famous for what, Will? What is he most famous for when it comes to movie adaptations or anything? Uh, I can't remember all the ones that he was involved with, but one of the biggest box office flops that was that he was involved with was uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen. Yes. So ever since then, and what was it? He's always asked to be discredited from films of his adaptations. So you think of League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, V for Vendetta, um, Watchmen. His name is nowhere on it. And the reason is because he feels that all his movies, everything like that should never be made or adapted into film or animation. It's different for this episode. So this episode was actually based on a comic that was wrote by him, which is Superman Annual Volume 1, Issue 11. Um, he is known, like we said, to despise adaptations of his work, but actually confided in Bruce, Tim, and Dwayne McDuffie, creative team behind the scenes of the Justice League Animate series, um, that he was pretty pleased with this episode. And he allowed to be credited on the episode, which is really rare. I love that scene. I went back and rewatched it just for that to see if that was actually true. And by God, I, I, I was just astonished that that I never saw that. And now we watching the episode. And I went, huh, I never knew that. And so like, it just shows you that with the right work and with the right adaptation of it all, it really can be something more and it could be something, you know, it can really touch a writer's heart. And for Alan Moore, that's a rare thing for him to have. So, Will, what do you think about that information? Were you happy with that information or shocked? Or what was your feeling? I mean, honestly surprised. I mean, given his track record with uh, film and animation adaptations, it's quite, it, it just shows you that the, Justice League animated series was doing something right. Right. I agree with you there. I think I think that's a good way to put it. And, you know, you have the team, like we said, Bruce Tim and Dre McDuffie behind the scenes. You know, they're going to do everything they can to make it somewhat comic book, you know, continuity, but or not continuity, but try to keep to that without changing too much. And I think that's what they did perfectly. Um, so number seven, I know we're going to talk kind of a little about this one because I... This is the one I think you and I really kind of went. This is one we're going to put on here because some of ours were personals. And we figured this one should be talked about. And it's Divided We Fall. Um, this is the end of the Katniss arc in season, was it? Uh, the second season of Justice League Unlimited. Um, it's episode 12. And the Justice League, pretty much the synopsis according to INDB, um, the Justice League Charter are members must battle the combined Lex Luthor Brainiac menace alone. So pretty much this is where you get Lex pretty much being taken over by Brainiac and him realizing it. 
Um, so that's where you get all kind of like the nasty parts of it, like tentacles and stuff coming out of Lex. But then he merges with Lex more to have that body. Um, and on top of it, this is where we see the speed force. Like the Feast Force aura in Flash. Because he really goes fast to the point where he could be trapped in there. And it takes the might of Justice League to get him out. Um, even Batman's at the end. That That's what brought me to tears. That You know what? He shows that he doesn't care at points. But he does really care about the team. Um, Willie, what do you remember about this episode? For me, I feel like this was definitely one of the more intense one uh intense episodes for me mm -hmm. i think that it really had a huge impact on wally west's story yes because for the most part you see him as the jokes the jokester the cynical one and, and this is this is kind of the episode where he got to let loose where he got to show a good extent of his abilities and he got to take some good command in, a, in the story and not saying that it wasn't done before, but this one is what really takes the cake for him. That was, this was one I agree with you. I think this is one of the more intense episodes, but I think when you and I collaborated on this list, um, this is one we felt like, yeah, this needs to be on a top 10. But the sad thing is I don't even think it's so weird. I think that's the first time I've ever happened that, we both said, I think this one should be up there because it's important. But it was not on any of our lists. So that's what I found so interesting. Like, I think it was on my honorables, and I think you had it on honorable as well. And we just went, well, that should be up there. Um, and we decided that. So I'm glad that, what was it, this made our list. But it just shows you that I love the fact that it's unlimited at the time was whole like whole slew of characters. And they went back to just the basic seven to base off against Lex and Brainiac together. So it's such an interesting episode. Um, but yeah, so number six, we're it's like we're going on a sob train here, and then we're gonna go to action field soon. Uh <laughs> number six goes to hereafter, parts one and two. Um, this is episodes 19 and 20, the second season of the Justice League animated series. Um Pretty much according to the synopsis, according to INDB, episode 19 is during a battle with the Revenge Squad, um, which was a pretty much a whole bunch of Superman villains coming together. Um, Superman apparently falls in battle. And in episode 20 is Superman has trans been transported into the distant future. With no powers, he must find a way to get back to the present. He finds an unexpected ally in Vandal Savage, the Earth's lone human survivor. Meanwhile, in the presence or in the present, Lobo joins the league as Superman's replacement. Now, Willie, I know this major list, especially part two, because Lobo is in this episode. Um, Lobo was not my character, but Willie, talk about Lobo for a second. Why do you like him so much? And two, why did you like this episode a little bit with him in it? Lobo is one of the best characters that justice league has ever had <laughs> and here's why he's from space he's a bounty hunter he's hilarious and honestly i i feel like there's a lot more to his story 
than a lot of people like to recognize because he does have like a very dark past and he has a very intense past molded him into the person he is where he's just completely cynical he doesn't care but at the same time he does he's such a unique character um, but willie i'm what was that I'm, what was it the other part that i liked and i'm kind of shocked you didn't bring it up is who voices him because you are a big sucker when it comes to voice acting um it's brad garrett from everybody loves raymond oh yeah and that dude makes me laugh every time he comes on screen but i'm not gonna lie he's the reason why i actually didn't mind lobo in this case, I actually kind of like Lobo with his voice acting because I just he fits that role. He really does. Um, I give a lot of props to Brad Garrett. He like his film work was great when he was on TV shows, mm-hmm. and he spent a lot of time doing commercials as well. And people would forget like who he was, so he had to stay relevant relevant on commercials. Mm-hmm. And I feel like what contributed to people forgetting who he was was the fact that for a big period of time he went to do voice acting mm-hmm. and he was doing a lot of characters and people like kind of knew who the voice was but there was always subtle differences to them and he has such a unique voice for like for every character he does and just with him himself that he gets to the point where he's almost unrecognizable and it's it shows a lot of talent to his acting abilities. So yeah, I I completely forgot that it was Brad Garrett there for a second, but yeah, I thought he was perfect for Lobo. He cap he captivates him like perfectly. You know, again, that again, that's just Lobo in this case. Um, but since we're on the topic of Lobo before we really kind of go more into this episode, um, did you realize he actually what was it? He was or he was the initial replacement in the show. But did you know who was supposed to be it and why they were not chosen? So you can guess that. Who was initially? It was supposed to be Captain Marvel and Shazam. So that was the original pick. But the problem was it was due because they didn't have the rights to him. Therefore, that's why they worked with Lobo. But it was like, even then, if you couldn't do Shazam, there's so many other super strength members that you could go with. And you go with Lobo. Of all people, it was just like, uh, you know, I, I like Lobo, but again, he's a loner. Yeah, I don't like him on the team. Um, but the main purpose of this episode is the fact that Superman is thought to be dead. Um, Toy Man is the one that hits him with the laser beam in the process of saving Wonder Woman and Batman, who was his initial target. Um, Superman flies in and sacrifices himself to protect him. Um, after that, of course, the villains are captured, and they have a funeral. And it's one of the most heartbreaking moments, I, I would say, because even Batman refuses to go. But Batman had a sense of he's not dead. And that was one of my favorite scenes in the whole episode is when you see Batman go up to his grave. And he just has that touching moment with him. And it's just so interesting to see that more and more. Um, all the main Justice League members are the the what was it the casket carriers um except batman batman is pretty much denied him being dead he does not want him to be in part um of course everybody that's worked with him is is there currently um what was it 
it is that's ever worked with him, Green Lanterns, so on and so forth. Um, but this actually was pitched as an idea for a Joy McDuffie for an episode in Superman, the animated series. But then they decided that that wasn't going to work and went with Hereafter for the Justice League animated series. So I'm glad it kind of waited for this because I think you needed to introduce those heroes before you could do something. Because that was the purpose of Superman's death is that it shocked the world. And if you didn't have, say, like Martian Manhunter, Hot Girl, Flash and all that, that episode wouldn't have worked. This episode works now because you've introduced us to yeah. the team. Everything. What What was your take on that, Will? Like, do you agree with that statement, or do you feel like, okay, yeah, you could have changed things up if you did Superman the animated series? Yeah, I agree that it went to worked. I mean, because, like you said, with his with Batman's touching scene at Superman's grave, mm-hmm. unless you got to see the chemistry that was formed between them it wouldn't have made as big of an impact. And then if you didn't have it at all, then the the whole interpretation of it, if it was just on the Superman scene, it wouldn't have left as big of an impact. So I feel like them having all of the other Justice League members there and showing the connections that they formed, seeing how big of an impact it had on them, it just helps like it helps like give that connection to the universe. It that's why when I when I saw that and when I, I was looking at some of the trivia for it, and that was something I didn't know, I'll be honest. But it was something that I just went that wouldn't have it, it really have it. And because if you did that too early, then you wouldn't have those connections. And I think that's why it worked better the way they did it. So yeah, number six is hereafter part one and two. Um, number five is a tie. Now, the reason why we have it as a tie is because you really can't have one episode without the other because one does lead into the other. It is actually the final two episodes of the entire series, both Justice League and Justice League Unlimited, um, being season three of Justice League Unlimited. This goes to Alive and Destroyer. Um, why we say they go hand in hand, um, the fact being is that. I don't know, I'm really going to give synopsis here. I guess it's a good way to put it. Lex Luthor is the one that brings Darkseid back to life. He uses pretty much the secret society to headquarters in outer space, remains the parts of Gil- or Brainiac, and pretty much, you know, they, they pretty much have a mutiny. Or Grodd tries to start a mutiny. They bring Darkseid back, and pretty much everybody's destroyed except a certain few, including Sinestro, um, Lex, Star Sapphire, Cheetah, Heatwave, um, Bizarro, and so many others. Um, they come to Earth, and pretty much like that was my favorite scene is when you see these two go up in front of each other, and it says, "I got a proposition for you." And then pretty much Lex tells him what happened, and says, "We need the world. We need you guys, or pretty much the world's going to be destroyed." So you get to see all these mixtures of heroes and villains, and working together that you would never think you would see um will what was your take on these two episodes the final two episodes of the end of this pretty much the whole series yeah i think it was a very unique interpretation um like you said you get to see all these different heroes and villains that we don't normally get to see and then see them interacting and cooperating with each other 
in seeing how they played out in both the animated series and uh, my brain just shut off. Um, both <laughs> in the animated series and uh, the unlimited series, they both like captivate, captured, and captivated people with like how they show the interaction. And I think like a good reason of, to why we had to put them at a tie is be because the in if you think about it, they did kind of tell similar stories, but they both did them in such unique ways that we couldn't just dismiss dismiss both of them. They had to be included and putting them together as a tie just seemed the most fitting way to do it. Yeah, and, and like we said, one leads to another. You can't just choose one over the other. They, they pretty much go hand in hand. Um, you, you know, of course, Alive is more focused around the villains. And then you see these surviving villains come to Earth again and ask for the Justice League's help. Um, here's a little bit of trivia for you. And I never really paid attention to this. Um, this is according to IMDb. Um, you know the ending scene where they're running down the the stairs. All the heroes are running after they get the villains a five second head start or five minute head start or something like that. And then all these heroes run down the stairs. They're actually grouped to pay tribute to many generations of DC Comics. Now, I never knew this. But I went back and watched it and I went, huh, that's actually interesting. So let me explain what I'm what I'm trying to get across. And this is all according to IMDb. The first group of heroes are Hawk and Duff, Creeper, Captain Adam and the Question, all were created by Steve Dicko, or Dicko. Second group of heroes that followed: Star Girl and Strike, Shiny Knight, Crimson Avenger, and Vigilante, all were members of the Seven Soldiers of Victory. The third group of heroes were Hour Man, Doctor Midnight, Wildcat, and Doctor Fate, all characters that were part of the Justice Society of America. The fourth group was Vixen, Steel, Vibe, and Gypsy. These are all characters from Justice League Detroit. The fifth group was heroes, included heroes Booster Gold, Elongated Man, Fire, and Ice. They were all members of Justice League International. Um, the sixth group was Zantana, Red Tornado, Black Canary, and Green Arrow. These were all heroes from the League's Satellite Era from Keith Given in the 1980s. Um, and then the last group was the main Justice League members from the show. What I love, too, is who the last character is, and that's Batman. And the reason is it kind of gave homage for Batman being the start of the DC animated universe and now being the end of the DC animated universe. I found that interesting, and I went back and watched it just to pay attention to it. And it actually makes sense. It actually follows that order, and it's so interesting to see that. And then Batman, that was just the icing on the cake to me. It really was. Willie, what do you think about that? And what was your feelings after hearing that now? Man, I'm just letting that rattle in my brain now. It's like, <laughs> it's, it's like, think about it. At this point, it's clear that the writers knew this was the end of their stuff. Yeah. Like, so, yeah, they, they, they knew it was going to be the end. So they wanted to go out with the biggest bang that they could by showing the groupings of all of the heroes from where it started to where it ended and just running through it all. 
it, it, it is a really good episode. I enjoy it, and it was a, such a great way to go out on. Um, so I guess we're going to turn to number four. Now, this was a personal favorite of mine. Um, on my original list, it came in at number three. Um, so number four is not too far away from it. Um, and I know, Willie, you had it on your list, but it was kind of more of the lower end, if I remember correctly. Um, it's Legends, part one and two. Um, Legends is episode 16, 17, the very first season of the Justice League animated series. Um, this, I'm not going to lie. This is one episode that brought me to tears because of the fact of who these characters were supposed to represent. And let me tell you this first off. Um, this actually was dedicated to Gardner Fox, this episode, or these two episodes. Um, he's a DQ, DC Comics writer um, who worked on the original Justice League comic, and he was actually the first one to script the JLA-JSA team-up, the very first one, which I think is issue 20 of the original Justice League storylines. Um, issue 20 or 21, I can't remember off the top of my head. Now, let me explain something before we get into this. Um, you can imagine these characters represent a team that we talked about not too long ago, and that is... The Justice Society. Will, would you agree? All these characters have representation. So, yeah. here's the thing for fans. The Justice Guild, which is the team that was introduced in the Justice League animated series, um, pretty much was, of course, a team of the Justice League across the pretty much in a different universe, or stand-ins for the Justice Society. Paul Levitz, who was the president of DC Comics at the time, Declined the creative team of Justice League animate series for using the using the Justice Society, and it's not for the reasons you think. It's not just because they didn't want. It was because he felt that they were written, or the way they were written in this episode originally was kind of disrespectful in some ways. But not only that, it was caused a conflict between with the JSA story post crisis. Now, Will and I have talked about that before, where. Um, Pretty much what happens is, is after Crisis on Infinite Earths, um, pretty much the JSA, instead of being on an alternate universe, was pretty much made to be a team from prior. So this was like the Alma Mater team, and then the Justice League is what's now. Um, so this, of course, is during that time where JSA was considered to be the older team. So doing it on a different universe would have really messed up what they had. And... Now, let me explain to the characters and what are their differences. Green Guardsman, which is in the animate series, is Green Lantern Alan Scott. Tom Turbine is um, Adam and Superman mixed. Um, the Streak is the Flash, of course, Jay Garrick. Black Siren is, of course, the Golden Age Black Canary. And Catman was Wildcat and Batman mixed. Um, Willie, what do you remember about this episode alone? Um, what would what did you remember about this one? What do you not remember? Um, at the time, I didn't remember much. Uh, for me, it was like it, it introduced a whole bunch of characters that I didn't know all that well, and I just thought, oh, so this is like the Justice League back in the fifties. I, I didn't think much about it, but then as I got older and I learned more about comics and I rewatched uh, the episodes a bit. Um, it kind of dawned on me is like this were these were the predecessors. Uh, they were the origins. Like if we didn't have them, 
we wouldn't have the Justice League that we know and love today. Because, like, if you think about it, I mean, not in, it, not entirely accurate, but in a way, like, if it worked out the way everybody like knew about it, these guys would be where all the other heroes got their inspiration from. And, yeah, it's it's just, like, trippy to see how all these characters had their origin and being able to see how it's interpreted in this was very engaging. Like what I love about this episode is of course the main character for this episode for is John Stewart. Um, John Stewart, of course is teamed or they go to this alternate universe. Um, it's him, hot girl flash and Marsha Manhunt. And green lantern is the one that actually says, I remember reading these guys in a comic. So it's actually kind of interesting to see that because it's like, oh, this is actually a real world compared to what they know and love. Um, even the villains are twisted from characters from the Justice Society um, to be the villains of them. Um, it's just, it really pays homage to it. And I really enjoy this episode. Um, this episode, again, does make you tear up at the end because it is very passionate to see them. Um, I remember it's still the time where, what was it, um, they gave him the JSA pin or the, the Justice Guild pin. I almost said JSA because that's what they are pretty much. But when they give the kind of like the rings and stuff to John. And it just hits your heart because it's the whole comic book thing as a kid for us. If we got to meet our heroes um, that we know and love in comics, it, we'd all be like that. Um, what, what, like, what did you think about John's story, though, in this, John Stewart's? Well, you know, I'm a huge fan of Jon Stewart. Um, I'm always going to root for him. And I really hope the rumors are true that he's going to get his own, whether it's series or movie, I don't care. I, I want to see an adaptation for him in like a live action sense. But yeah, I, I feel this is a prime example of how I feel that with how much attention and focus batman superman wonder woman got i feel like all the best stories were centered around john stewart green lantern yeah i feel like he had such great storylines that he was involved in and it, it just I, I i don't know what else to say it's just i yeah I can. Tell I love you, seeing John Stewart. Yeah, like I know what you were saying there too. I think that's perfect the way you said it. Is that out of our list, I believe half of them belong to John Stewart being the main character. If not four or five of them are owned by John Stewart. That's what's so interesting about this is that I think because mind you, I think a lot of fans forget this too. When the anime series started, John Stewart was never in the Justice League, not even in comics. This was the first time Jon Stewart ever appeared on a Justice League team, was in this show. And I think it was about 2004, 2005, where he finally made his first appearance in comics with the JLA. It's interesting to see that, and it's fun to watch that and kind of get that little trivia. But that's why I said Jon Stewart is so underrated. And again, we, go, we can have that conversation all day long, why Jon Stewart deserves his own you know, stuff. Now he's getting a new series in comics, which, okay, I'm happy to see that. But I want to see more. I want to see a show. I don't care if you make it animated, if you make it live action, make it happen. Um, 
talking about John Stewart, because we're not done with him, we have number three. <laughs> number three is the Savage Times. Now, this is one of my personal favorites. This and our number one pick were my number one and two. Um, the episodes are 24, 25, and 26, the last three episodes of the first season of Just Like the Animated Series. Um, there are synopsises for each one. Um, I don't think we have to go over too much well about that. I think we can go right into the talking of it. This personally was one of my favorite episodes because it deals with history. And you get to see characters mm -hmm. that you don't really get to see. You get to see Jon Stewart without a ring. And and Willie, I know you could talk from reference too, because he has to rely on his skills that he as that he got from the Marines. What would what did you take away from Jon Stewart in this episode? Because I think he had probably one of the most powerful arcs in this episode. I think this is one of my personal favorites. Um, it's just his. I mean, like we've said, Jon Stewart has some of the best arcs in the series, but this one is probably one of the best. It takes him out of his. Uh, it takes him out of his comfort zone, but at the same time, not because this is where one of the times where we get to see how versatile of a soldier he is, of a combatant he is. It's like he's he has his military past, which lets him be very versatile and functional in any situation. And this is one of the prime examples of that, how even when he loses his ring, he's not without power in some sense. And it's it's one of the things that I like most about him. I will say this right now. This his arc alone introduced a character that I truly love in comics. And Will, you know exactly who I'm talking about. It's Sergeant Rock. Mm -hmm. And it's a yep. short scenes with him. But it's just amazing to see how these characters are interpreted. We get the Blackhawks. We don't get to see them a lot. And we get to see them in this episode. Why? Because they're in World War II. Um, what I also love, and there's a little trivia to this. I never really realized this until recently. There are references to the Suicide Squad. Now, I'm not talking about the Suicide Squad we know and love today. This was a team pretty much of troublemaking soldiers under the command of Rick Flagg Sr. that operated as a team in World War II. So they were kind of like a special ops team without being, you know, the villains and things like that that we know and love today. Um, but there's also reference to the Unknown Soldier. And that's what's so interesting to me because I never realized that. There's a guy supposedly in one of the medic fields that you see him all taped up with his face, like tape all over his face. And that's supposedly a reference to him. And I, I it's a stretch, but I can see why they say that. Um, again, this brings a villain that I really enjoy, um, Vandal Savage, um, an immortal, pretty much genius, battle tactician, everything you could think of, and goes back in time to take control. And it looks like he's successful at one point. Because he changes history to make it look like he what what he froze you know of course the Fuhrer of um, he he pretty much froze Hitler in some ways to get his way and he takes over and he's successful but then the Justice League starts realizing something's wrong because the best thing about this too is you don't focus on Batman Batman is not even the main focus. Batman, you find out his history was altered to be now the resistance against Vandal Savage and 
of course, his reign or his regime. It, it's so interesting to see it. it. It really is. It gives you a different depth. Will, what was your takeaways from this episode before we continue on? Because we could talk about this episode alone for hours. Because this is such a great, not, or not <laughs> episodes. So, um, yeah. what's your take from it? But, I mean, like you said, it has. It's such a focal point to the not just the series, but the history involved with the series. Um, it it covers so many uh, loose ends that we've heard about and like couldn't really figure out what they'd be tied to, like the Forgotten Soldier yeah. and all that stuff, and. It, Seeing the connection that, uh, seeing like how it all connects and how all the stories line up, and seeing I'm having a loss of words again. <laughs> mm, it's just it's such a good combination of stories, and seeing them, seeing the three episodes together, seeing where they go with it, seeing all the characters that get introduced, and seeing how certain things. Uh, how certain things are told. I'm not doing very good on this podcast because I keep having a, a loss for words to express <laughs> how much I enjoyed this. It, and, and, and trust me, I think that was for me when I went back and watched these episodes again. It's like it, it was just one of those things I was like, Wow, I forgot how much it, it was like the whole thing of wow, I miss. I was going to get choked up there for a second. It was just one of those things because it brought us back to our childhood. And on top of it, it brought us. And on that, it's, it's one of those things that you don't value as much when you're a kid as you are when you're older and you know more. I, you know, I was glad when we decided to do this episode. And the reason is because Kevin Cronroy did just pass away not too long ago. Rest in peace. Um, he was a huge part of my childhood. I know Willie, he was part of your childhood. And it took, a, I, I didn't know how to react to it when I heard it. But it puts you back in those situations that I want to go back and relive this because I want to see how much I love it. And I remember this episode alone and remembering how much I love Justice League and what got me into it more and if it wasn't for this show i don't even think we'd have a podcast well because this was our introductions to a lot of the comic book characters we know and love mm -hmm. and it, it's just really it just tells you how much this show really affected a lot of people um but yeah again another character we didn't even bring up i'm going back on topic here um steve trevor's even introduced in this episode um, Wonder Woman's love from the movies and from everything you know him from. He's in this episode. He is a World War II spy. And it's so interesting to see how all these come together at the end. And again, I think the best part of it was still Jon Stewart. I will still say that. I think Jon Stewart's story with Sergeant Rock and Easy Company was probably the best part of this story. Because you got to see him have his weapon taken away from him, but now he has to revert back to his military skills. And that's where he succeeds. And I think that just shows you out of everybody on the Justice League, he is probably the most resourceful because he doesn't just rely on one thing. He relies on everything he's been taught. And I think him and Batman are the two that can only do that. 
So I, I love it. Yeah. So yeah, that's, I'm not even going to continue because like I said, we can go on and on. Will, we're going to start a podcast soon. We're just going to go over each episode. We'll probably do it to honor the uh, passing of Kevin Conroy. I would love to just go it. over the Justice series, go over the Batman series, just talk about episodes. <laughs> I agree. I would love to do that one time. Don't give me ideas, Will. Uh, <laughs> anyway. <laughs> you already have a full schedule. Yeah, I do. Um, <laughs> um, so number two. Um, this one we felt needed to be up on the list. Um, it is the first three episodes of the series. It is the, what was it? It's called Secret Origins. Um, I'm not going to lie. I remember watching this on video cassette, and I actually thought this was a full-on movie. I did not realize these were three episodes when I originally watched it. Um, never even realized this was three episodes of the series until I'll... I got further on and realized, oh, crap, these actually were episodes. Um, need to go back and watch them again. Um, we'll kind of get the synopsis here because it does kind of play out in the story. Episode one, um, according to IMDb, um, Batman and Superman team up to deal with an alien invasion and a telepathic, telepathic message leads to the, the duo to a military base housing future um, housing future ally John Jones. Um, which is Martian Man unearthing, but he does not know. Episode two is with the nation's warheads disarmed by Superman after a peace initiative. The heroes rally to stop a non uh, nocturnal, 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 sorry, alien invaders from blocking out the sun. In episode three, the heroes are captured by the aliens just as their leader, the Imperium, arrives. After vanquishing the invasion, they decide to officially join forces forces as the Justice League. Um, Will, I'm going to start with you. What did you take with the first three episodes of the series? And how important is it from here on out? I mean, this is where it starts. These are the perfect starting episodes for a series like this. Because they are definitely what got people interested in wanting to see more. It shows, I mean... Secret Origins kind of says it all, but it shows you like kind of how big the universe was, and it was kind of a little prelude as to where they could go with it. It showed so much in these first three episodes and still left so many questions, and like it pulled you into wanting to see more. And for me personally, it was seeing like as i've already said i'm a big fan of animation so seeing the interpretation of all the characters as they're being introduced in these three ep first three episodes was really engaging because you got to see the interesting art style the designs and you got to see all their personalities coming out and how they're expressed and seeing all their interactions together. And for me, it was super engaging to see. It's, it's more along the lines of, I don't remember what happened in the episodes, more of how much the impact of the episode was. <laughs> like, I'll be honest. Um, one of the first things that I, I actually didn't mind the change, because Superman pretty much looks the same. So mind you, this is, the, what was it? This kind of picks up after like the events of like 
Batman the Animated Series or the New Adventures of Batman and Superman the Animated Series. This is before Batman Beyond and so on and so forth. Of course, Batman Beyond was released before this. Um, but it is Superman's design looks pretty much the same. You get Batman, Batman's design's a little different. I kind of like Batman's design a little. Uh, Superman, there's are some changes, but not as much. Batman's design, there is a lot of changes. And but it doesn't bother me. I like his design. I like his texture. But I kind of like how like Martian Manhunter, we kind of got a little origin story for him in this story. And I did feel impact. That's where I got my love for John Jones. It's from that episode alone. I think it's more episode two where we find out his history and find out that these white Martians, which by the way, I love the design for the white Martians. They freak you out, especially the dog. I, I was freaked out when I saw a dog. I was just like, Excuse me, that's what you call a dog? I'm gonna run away now. I don't wanna I don't wanna feed that thing. <laughs> you know, because it was scary. He was a very scary character. Mind you, I, we were what six, seven when this came out? And I was sitting there was petrified of that dog. I was sitting there like, what? <laughs> don't you eat my Batman? <laughs> it was just always I was sitting there engaged. And then when you see that first, the first meteor crash down on Earth, it's like, oh, crap's about to go down. And you see that this Justice League has to form. You know, of course, we didn't need a lot of introduction to Flash because he was introduced in Superman the Animated Series. Wally West was. So you kind of get that sense of, okay, who Wally is. Martian Manhunter, you get that Green Lantern. Okay, I would we would have got that. And then you get that sense for Wonder Woman. She's a rookie. You don't know her a lot. Um, Hawkgirl is the only one I always had a problem with. And the reason is, is I love Hawkgirl in this series. But, and it wasn't until later on that I realized, you know what, that origin story didn't, you know, I was glad we didn't kind of get an origin story for a while because that showed her secrecy, um, behind her. And we'll get to that later on. Um, but it, it was just a really great episode. Now I want to throw a little bit more trivia at you. The reporter, Snapper Carr. You know who he, man. You know who he is in comics. He is kind of so. Mm. Let's put it this way: You remember in Legends, um, the episode Legends with the Justice Society, and he had that little kid, uh, pretty much yeah. rooting him on the whole time. And you find out, well, mind you, Snapper Car is not like that, but Snapper Car was kind of pretty much the same thing for the Justice League. So I always find it entertaining that they put him as a reporter here, Snapper Car reporting. I'm like, oh my, like stop. <laughs> It's like, it's like Snapper Car was kind of like their little sidekick. It, it's like, you know, it, it's just interesting to see. And it, again, this is another episode that pays homage to a lot of their history, a lot of their, you know, ties together. And like we said, we got to see Jon Stewart on the Justice League. This is an episode we don't, like we said, Jon Stewart was never part of the Justice League. So it's before this, ever in comics. It's just entertaining to see this. and. Everybody meshes well together. Everybody's, they have to find a way to work with each other. And that's what I love even more. Um, that they have to find ways to coincide with each other and work together. And that's what I like. Um, so yeah, number two is Secret Ordinance. Um, Will, did you want to add anything else to that before we take off? Or anything you kind of wish you, you know, would you have changed anything or anything like that? Um, Not too much. I was... The only thing I would have said is when you were talking about Hot Girl. Yeah. I agree that like it's great that they went more on her story 
And like, I did like that she was left a bit in secrecy when she was introduced. Mm-hmm. Um, for me though, I never liked her character until um, I started learning more. Yeah, huh? I, I agree. I agree with you. I'm a hundred. I, I thought you were going to say you did not like her at all. I was like, excuse me. Like we can't even be friends anymore, man. Yeah. Well, when she was first introduced in like the first, like so odd episodes that she gets interaction. I didn't really like her all that much because I didn't really understand what her powers gave her, what her strengths were. I didn't understand her character. But then as the episodes went on and you got to see her development, see her interactions with the group, hear more about her backstory, and then the eventual truth of her backstory, it was like, it really starts to engage you and see how much this character has gone through and what her, like, how much of an impact she has. It, 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 I agree with you there. I think that's the whole purpose of Pot Girl. And I think... When we talk about this episode here in a little bit, that's why it was so great to not have an origin story for her. Because you got to see this all play out in a matter of seconds. Um, But yeah, it is such a great episode. Like I said, I thought it was a movie because I bought the VHS and just a Justice League. So it never really said, oh yeah, we collect episodes, this, this, and this. It was just straight up a movie. And I was like, ooh, I'm, and every time I rewatch, rewatch, rewatch. And it's so entertaining to rewatch this. Um, it is just a great show. Um, this really, it's like you said, this is the one that started it all. So before we jump to our number one, um, Will and I thought we would talk about um, some of the honorable mentions that just missed our list on our. Um, so, Will, why don't you talk about maybe some of our honorable mentions that we have? Yeah, so uh, uh, for our honorable mention list, we had A Better World, uh, The Great Brain Robbery, Metamorphous, War World, Question Authority, and Flashpoint, and Epilogue. Yeah, so... The better world for anybody who does not know. I'll kind of give a brief summary. It's pretty much what if just what if so the whole thing of Katniss is the whole fact of Superman. There is a future vision of Superman killing Lex. So in some ways, they kind of become a crime like they become a crime syndicate without becoming a crime syndicate. If that makes sense. Like they're more of an authoritarian figure, but they're not out for evil. They're out for justice. Um, the great brain robbery. Why we put that on our list. Um, Lex, who's, or what was it, or the guy who voices Flash, not Lex, I was getting ahead of myself. Um, the guy who voices Flash in the show is Michael Rosenbaum. Willie, you should know, if you've watched Smallville, who Michael Rosenbaum plays in the show. I didn't watch Smallville. Oh, see how you want <laughs> um, No, so I'll explain. It's Lex. So in this episode, Flash brain is swapped with Lex's. So it was an interesting episode because you got to see Flash as Lex for one moment. The same guy who does him in plays Lex in Smallville. It's so interesting to see. It's a fun episode to watch. I love it. You know, one of my favorite things is that he takes off the mask of Flash to see, because mind you, this is Lex's mind in Flash's body. And he just looks at him and he goes, I don't know who this is. <laughs> 
It was just like the funniest thing to see. And it just made you laugh every chance you got. So I got Willie to laugh on that. Um, Metamorphosis, of course, story of Metamorpho. War World is when Superman goes to another planet um, ruled by Mongol. Um, he's pretty much put as a champion in Final Fight, of course, is between Mongol and Superman. Um, question Authority and Flashpoint, again, another story from the Katniss arc um, where the question figures out that this is happening or this is a possibility that Superman could kill Lex. So he tries to take it into his own hands. Um, so Superman would never have to go down this path. Well, one thing leads to another, and this is flashpoints where you get Captain Adam and Superman fighting because they're trying to free Question out of prison, pretty much. Him and Huntress. Um, epilogue is a unique episode. This is an older Terry McGinnis. Now we switch. This was this is why I found interesting about this. Because I thought this too, but never really like Never really knew this. This was supposed to be the original finale of Justice League Unlimited. was Epilogue. Epilogue is an older Terry McGinnis confronting Amanda Waller. Now, because we find out that Terry McGinnis is pretty much the father, we, or like pretty much like, we, I guess a good way to say is a sperm donor, is Bruce Wayne. Pretty much he, what was it, they injected a, like some of the DNA of Bruce Wayne into Terry's father. Um, and when they gave birth, pretty much Terry is a baby of Bruce Wayne. Um, because Manda Waller said there always needs to be a Batman in the world. Somebody who and you get this unique story. Um, and this pays homage to when we did just or Young Avengers versus Young Justice, where we chose Ace um as our wild card. This is where the ace we're talking about. Um, Ace is a little girl um, that her powers are pretty much mind warp and or, um, reality alteration and everything like that. Well, her powers are spiraling out of control. And um, pretty much Batman's the one that says, I'm going in there. Because he feels like he'll be the only one to convince her. And pretty much Amanda gives him the weapon and says, you realize you're going to go against your morals here. Pretty much. And Batman says, I know. What I love about that episode, and it makes me cry every time. Um, is that he doesn't kill her. She passes away peacefully. And he just sits there and just lets her talk and is at peace. And what I love is like, will you hold my hand? And it, it just gets me every time because Bruce just sits there and holds her hand until she passes. It is one of the most saddest scenes. I would have been pleased if that would have been the, the conclusion of the show. But of course, we get Destroyer and Destroyer changed everything. Then, But it's just the thing of if that's where it would have ended, I would have been pleased. I would have been happy. I would never ask for it again. And and then you see Terry change his ways and go back to Bruce to help him out, so on and so forth. She goes off pissed off um, to Amanda. Now, number one. Um, this is why we said we're going to talk about this a little later. Because this is where you kind of get more history about what Hawk Girl's purpose is. Um, we are going with Starcross. Now, our top three could have went either way. Well, would you agree? Like our top three that we chose really could have been altered and it would have been the same thing. Totally agree. All three of these have been like, they've always left the biggest impact. Uh, I think the reason that we finally decided on this one is because this is the one that 
it filled in that huge gap for a character that has been around since the start and and they didn't they didn't disappoint with this one it pretty much um this is the episode where we find out hot girl is kind of a spy for the thanagarian army um the leader of course she's betrothed to um it now mind you what stunk this whole episode is John Stewart just finally made it to start dating with her and then find out, oh, she's been in throat to this random hawk that we've never been introduced to for so many years. Or he's she's pretty much engaged to. Oh, I was so pissed in this episode. I, I was I was really pissed when that happened. But pretty much the Thanagarians come to invade and they or not so much invade right off the bat or what we think is not invasion. Um Pretty much they come and pretty much say, like, hey, there's a threat coming your way. We have the technology to help you. Let us help you. But it turns out to be an invasion. And pretty much we find out later on if they don't do this, Thanagarians will not live. So the only way to do it is have the human race die. And it is such an interesting episode because it puts the Justice League in a peculiar situation at this point. One of their own is pretty much a spy for the Thanagarian army. Um, it does make you question a lot of things. Um, it, it really does. It, what I love too, um, Will, is the fact that this is the episode you get to see all the uh, sacred identities come out. Because the only way they're going to escape Thanagarian army, because Justice League is wanted by them, or the Justice League is wanted by the Thanagarian mm -hmm. army, is they have to go down to the secret identities. And what I love is Flash like, wait a minute, what about this whole secret identity? And he goes, and he Batman just comes up and just tells him, Wally West, Clark Kent, Bruce Wayne. And he just looks at him and goes, I never realized Bruce would be <laughs> Batman. It was just so funny to see it. Um, but you see them all split up. Like Martian Manhunter is like, that's what, how, what was it, um, Flash and um, John Stewart were able to escape. Um, Clark and Martian Manhunter disguised as a photographer who's around and it's like, hey, can I ask you questions? You know, it's just funny to see how all these guys work together to escape this threat. And it's so fun to see. Um, of course, you see Hawkgirl kind of go back to them after she realizes the total plan. She gives them plans to let him look, hey, this is what they're planning on doing, so this is how you need to stop it. And they're successful at the end. But, you know, of course, it comes with consequences. And, of course, the team disbanding um, is one of them, or at least her disbanding from the team. Um, Will, what was your takeaways from this episode alone? Um, what did you like and what did you dislike about this episode or these episodes? I mean, I love these episodes. I, I was so happy to finally get that loose end for Hot Girl. Um, and one of the things that I actually really enjoyed is when it came to how you were talking about uh, uh, the Justice League members going into disguise. Mm -hmm. um, let me ask you, let me, I'm going to throw more trivia at you because I do have a trivia. If you thought about a comic book, mind you, the main character of the comic book is a certain character from the Justice League, but it's reversed to this character, the betrayal of the Justice League. What comic would you think I'm talking about? 
And when you really think about it, it is pretty much the synopsis of what this episode really is, or these three episodes. So pretty much this comic, this episode is based off a comic, but it's a different main character as being this pretty much a saboteur of the team. You want to take a shot or maybe a movie it's based around? Because if you give me the movie, I can at least tell you the comic. If not, I know the comic that we're talking about. <sighs> Where's a comic where they where a main Justice League member betrays the Justice League without betraying them by having all their weaknesses shown? I can't remember the movie or the specific comic, but I do remember it was Batman. Yeah, so it was Batman in the comic and in the movie. And the yeah. comic name is JLA Tower of Babel, which was JLA 43 through 46. Um, this is where Ra's al Ghul obtains Batman files and how to take down the Justice League in episodes. This is Hawkgirl in this case. She has told them all their weaknesses. So she knows how to take down the Justice League. Now, mind you, the Justice League escape, but it's just the point. Um, it was the whole thing of, I kind of got that sense from it that Hawk Girl pretty much betrayed them and found weaknesses of each and every single one of them. Like Green Lantern, all you need to do is take his ring away. Superman, you have Kryptonite. There's so many ways that you could take him down. And the movie is Justice League Doom, but of course, that's later on compared to this here. Um, this was just a great episode. I'm a big fan of Gary and fan. I know Will is too, um, with Hawk Girl, Hawkman. Um, it is such a great story. Um, and Starcross. Ends with probably one of another again another drastic moment, and again this is where Tower of Babel comes in because what happens in Tower of Babel at the end of it all it is it comes down to a decision of the remaining founding members to decide if Batman stays on the Justice League or not at this point. And before they even gave the decision, Batman pretty much said, "I don't want to have nothing to do with it," and escape and leaves. And in the movie, that's why I loved it. I was like, "If you, then you're." Fools, if you feel like you're never going to be threats to the human race. And it is a good point. I'm sorry, I'm going to take down my villains, but I also have to find ways to take you down. And what I love in that movie is he says, and Superman goes, well, what about this? Whatever, what happens if you, well, i got a contingency plan for that too. It's called the Justice League. And that's where it's so interesting to see that. And here is Hawkgirl. Hawkgirl kind of does the same thing. I loved Alfred's little speech to her, and she goes, you know what? You could have turned your complete back on us, and you didn't. If it wasn't for you, we wouldn't be here today. So in my book, I don't care what that vote comes out. To me, you're a hero in my eyes. And I remember that whole scene, like her, like him holding her hand and stuff, and that's when the vote comes out. And she pretty much says, I betrayed you. I know that. And she pretty much states, I don't want to be part of this team because I don't want to feel like I you guys can't trust me and takes off. And that was the saddest scene because it happens with John Stewart out there too. And she says, I love you and move and flies off. And all of a sudden you see John Stewart with a tear down his eye saying, I love you too. And that's what ends the original justice league show and goes to justice league unlimited. So it's that gap to really lead you there, but it's something that hot girl now has to live with the whole Time, this whole series is that nobody can really trust her because of that reason. And it, it will take a little bit more incentive to show people that they can trust her. 
that's what I loved about this episode. That's why Star Cross is number one on our list. Um, Will, um, what would you tell fans um, right away about Justice League, the animated series? And why would you recommend this series to new people into comics just like we were? Because this is how we were introduced. Uh, uh, watch it. Watch it. <laughs> <laughs> the show... The show has so much good stuff for both adults and children. And it's really, it's not even just a good introduction to get people into superheroes and comics. It's a good way to give you so many good life lessons and teach you about things that could happen in life that most of the time shows nowadays don't even go over they don't have they don't tackle as many hard topics they don't give you good solutions on how to develop from it it's just silly jokes or the occasional hard moment with a quick pick-me-up that they don't dwell on the justice league series really helps shape your character by giving you all these hard situations and hard topics that you find solutions to and can develop over with. So yeah, it's, it's some of the best, uh, best content that you can consume in your life. And I'm, it's the, it's the reason why I'm glad that DC has done so well in their animated shows. It's it's sad because it's like I think Willie, you said it perfectly that it's not just for kids; it's for adults. Heck, I even still watch the show. I know Willie still watches the show. Um, it is something that, well, mind you, even too the rumor going around that James Gunn is trying to focus around this team, and that's what's so amazing about. And, you know, I know we're not going to go over too much about the whole DC situation right now when it comes to movies and stuff. But hearing that news does bring me joy a little bit because it's the whole thing of and it's the same way Scott Snyder did or um, when he brought back the um, Justice League in the comics. And it was the fact that he says, this is to me the Bible of Justice League. This is your team. This is nobody else's team. You know, of course, in the comic, they put Aquaman and Cyborg on the team as well, but it just shows you how influential this team was and show you how much you can really love a team and love its members. Everybody can relate to somebody here one way or another. And that's what I love about this show. Um, Again, this is how Will and I were introduced to it. I was also introduced to Batman the Animated Series. I know Will was too. But this was the first time we got to see some of these heroes really come into play. And we fell in love with them, just like anybody else. Um, but yeah, this has been our top 10 episodes of Just League, the Animated Series. Um, hope you guys enjoyed. Please let us know in the comments below what your top 10 episodes are. Uh, maybe even talk about some of your favorite characters or some of your favorite moments that you remember as a kid um, watching this show or Maybe even ask questions to fans that really love this show, too. You know, even if it's a matter of you want to kind of get into it and you don't know where to start. We're here to help. We're here to talk. Especially something as passionate as we are in this. Um, Will and I, what was it? We 
love doing this list. I know what was it. I'd love to do more. It's like we said, I'd love to do the whole thing with Kevin Conroy. Talk about some of our favorite episodes. I know that we've kind of FaceTime, but that's also to get family morning time and everything like that as well. Um, what was it? But I'm glad we brought this up because it is something that's dear to me and my heart. And oh, will it's something dear to you. Um, but yeah, this has really been a pleasure doing this list. Um, you can find Comet Talkers anywhere on Instagram, Facebook, and TikTok at Comet Talkers. Follow us, comment on our videos, let us know everything like we said. You can listen to the podcast anywhere on Anchor, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and Apple Podcasts. And without further ado, my name is Brandon. I'm William. And let comics always be the top of your discussion. Thank you.